I will live in you and walk with you. So set yourselves apart. I will be your father and you will be my sons and daughters. All right, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. So, you know, this series is about identity. It's about who we are, that we're sons and daughters, but it's also about the identity of God. It really begins with Him, who He is, that He loves us, that He's faithful, that He loved us before we ever responded to the gospel and, and His goodness, how good He is. And that it's all about Him, His identity, and, and, and then we're His sons and daughters. And so for, for this message, I really felt like it was important to think about how He is a Father that gives us things when we ask. He, he gives good gifts. So stay in Ephesians, but let me just show you. Matthew 7, verse 7 says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you, now here we go, here's identity. Which of you, if your son... So we're talking about the relationship of a father and a son or a daughter already. Which of you, if your son, the relationship, asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, would give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. Now, now let me stop here and, and just make a, a, a comment about this. A lot of times in the Gospels, Jesus makes comparative statements. So he's not saying here that you are an evil parent. He's saying, compare to God. Compare to the dad that God is. That's, it's a comparative statement. Okay, so, and there's a lot of these in the gospel. And I, I, to be honest, I didn't understand that when I was a teenager. I would read things and think, well, that, that, boy, that's, that's pretty tough. But, but as I studied the Bible and understood that Jesus was making comparative statements, that's what he's saying here. He's saying, compared to God. As, as a, a human father. So if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, and we do, we know how to give good gifts to our kids. We, we know how to bless them. How much more will your father, your father, your dad in heaven, give good gifts to those who ask him? So, so we, we see it's God's desire and it is his character and his personality to give good gifts to us, his sons and daughters. It's who he is. That's who he is. He's, he's always thinking about how to bless you. So I have a question for you, and that is, why do we have to ask? If in Matthew 6, if it says that, well, God already knows what you need, then, then why do we have to ask? Because Matthew 7 says, well, ask, ask, seek, knock. Why do we have to ask? And, and the, the answer actually goes back to Genesis, to the way God created the world. Because he created us with a free will. And he gave us authority on the earth. And so he, so he doesn't control everything. He works through our faith. He works through our prayers. He works when we ask. We have to ask. We have to pray. And so like in Genesis 127, God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. He says, I'm giving you this earth for you to be in charge. And he says, I'm giving you responsibility, so you name all the animals. I'm giving you authority. 
You have authority over them. You tell them what to do. He says, rule. You're in charge. I'm not going to do it all for you. You're in charge. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So he says, look, so if you just take the whole Bible together, here, God gave us this free will and the authority and responsibility, and he says, so, and ask for my help. So you can go through life and never ask him for any help. But he wants you to ask. He wants, he wants to help us, but he wants us to ask because he's given us spiritual authority. So, church, when we pray, we're asking him to help us, but we're exercising authority on this earth, which is what he wants us to do. Okay? So, and then there's another issue in asking that's in James chapter 4. Okay, so, so just look at this. James 4, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you don't have, so you kill. You covet, which means you, know, you want what somebody else has, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. He says, you do not have because you do not ask God. And he says, when you ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasure. So listen, there's this issue in asking, and that is, well, first of all, sometimes we don't ask for things, and we should. And then sometimes we ask out of the wrong motivation. We ask for ourselves instead of putting the kingdom first, or, or we ask because we want to be famous, or we ask because we want to be, but, but we're not asking out of the wrong motives. And so he's warning us, you ask with the wrong motives. So, so that just kind of leads me to this question, well, then what should we ask for? What should we ask for? And so I just want to teach you really quickly three things today. What, just begin here. If you'll begin here, if we will as a church, then God will give us what we ask for, and he'll be able to, to bless us because we're going to ask the right way. What should we ask for? Here's number one. Ask for wisdom. Ask for wisdom. You know, I've asked the Lord for a lot of things, you know, especially as an adult, you know, for, for my kids and for, for myself, for my wife, for my family, but, but a lot of things for this church and the school and everything that we do as a ministry. And I remember in, in 2001, we decided at the school that we, we were going to seek a, a, a second accreditation. We were already accredited. We had accreditation through the Alabama Independent School Association. So a lot of private schools were accredited through this organization called AISA. But in 2001, we decided to seek another accreditation through what at the time was called SACS. It's the, the Southern Association of Colleges and Schools, and they go by a different name now, Advanced Ed. But, but the public schools in Alabama were accredited through SACS. So if you're a teacher here, you kind of know what I'm talking about. And so we decided we, we would seek for that accreditation, too, because if that's what the public schools had, then we wanted to, to, to have that one, too. It was considered the best, and I, I believe it is. So we decided to do that, and so I called a friend of mine that was an administrator at another private school who had been there for 25 years in charge, and, uh, and I thought, well, he's really wise and knows a lot. And so I called him and asked him for help. And so I would go over and talk to him, and he would teach me stuff. And they were six months ahead of us in the process. They were doing the same thing. But he was six months ahead of where we were. It seemed really smart to me 
like to just to follow him, you know, just follow what, whatever he does, I'm going to do. He's, he's much smarter than me, much more experienced, and so I'll just do what he does. And so I was doing that, and, um, and then the day came for his visit, and the first thing they would do is send this person to the school to, to, to ask questions and look around and determine if you could even continue the process. Like, are you even good enough to do this? And so the day came for their school, and, and this guy comes, and he goes over everything, and they turned him down. They told him that you're not ready, and they just cut, him, cut, cut off the process right there. Well, when he told me about that, I was kind of scared because I was learning everything from him. You know, and I thought, well, if, if he can't get this done, what, I, what chance do I have? I mean, I don't know what I'm doing. I was just following him, you know, and so I didn't know what to do. So I remember going to my office and just asking the Lord for help because I, I don't even know what to do now. And I just asked him, I remember asking the Holy Spirit, how do I pray about this? What do I do and, and how do I pray? God, you're going to have to give me wisdom. I'm not even asking for myself. I'm asking for a school that belongs to you, so give me wisdom. And I started flipping through my Bible, and I just stopped in Psalm chapter 5. And I started reading through Psalm 5, and I got to verse 12. And verse 12 says, For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous. That's anyone who's born again, by the way, is righteous. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous, and with favor you surround them like a shield. And I read that verse, and just in my spirit, I could tell the Lord was saying, pray for favor. Pray for favor. So I just started praying that verse. Now, I kept doing my work. I didn't stop working. <laughs> but I kept, I just, in getting ready for that visit, I started praying for favor. And I said, Lord, send us someone who, will have, who we will have favor with. Send us someone who will like me. That doesn't sound real spiritual, does it? It's kind of important, though. Send us someone who will like me. Send us someone who will like our school, who will have favor, will have favor with. And so the day came, and this guy, I didn't even know him. They just, they sent a representative, and he spent all day in our school. This is 2001. He spent all day in our school, and he was walking all around. I was so nervous. I was sitting in my office wondering who he's talking to, you know, and what are the seniors saying about me and all this stuff. And uh, you know, he's mean or something. I don't know what they're going to say about me and all the teachers. And, and he came back at the end of the day. He was here all day long. And uh, he came back at the end of the day. And we sat down. And he said, you've got a great school, a great staff, and great students. And, and he gave us the go-ahead, said we were ready to get accreditation through them. Do you know, so that was 2001. Do you know in December of 2001, the state of Alabama decided not to recognize any other accrediting agencies other than that one? So all the private schools that had private school accreditation up to that point, just like that, every private school accreditation meant nothing. And I just remember feeling, I mean, sad about that, but also grateful that the Lord had given us favor so we could get the only accreditation that mattered. Amen. Now that is the Lord. Amen. And that's why the first thing we pray for is wisdom. Now in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul actually prays for the church to have wisdom. So I was thinking, you know, in terms of us praying for wisdom, I don't think we can do any better than the prayer that Paul prayed because the Holy Spirit gave it to him. So I don't think we can do any better than a prayer that was written by the Holy Spirit. What do you think? 
So I thought we'd look at this together. Now, I love the book of Ephesians because Paul's coming to the church and he's telling them how to live strong lives as believers. You know, if you read his other letters, you see different issues. Like when he was talking to the Galatians, the Galatians were a church that had kind of slipped back into legalism. And they were trying to mix New Testament living with with the law in Leviticus and confusing believers and telling them, well, you've got to do this and this and this and this to be saved. And Paul comes to them and says, no, wait a second, you've just, you forgot about grace, you know? And so when I think about Galatians, I think about legalistic churches where they say, well, if you're going to be holy, you're going to have to wear these kind of clothes and you can't wear makeup and all that stuff. You know, all that legalistic stuff, you know, that's Galatians. And then if you read Corinthians, you see issues in the church. You see in Corinthians, they were misusing the gifts. And so there was confusion and chaos and people were doing weird stuff. And, you know, Paul comes to him and says, look, could, when you come together, you can't all speak at once. And, you know, all that stuff in Corinthians. And then there was immorality in the leadership and they weren't willing to deal with it. And, and so that's, you see a lot of that in Corinthians. And then in uh, Thessalonians, the church in Thessalonica were, were really persecuted and people were being killed and kind of reminds me of, of the, the church in China today. And, uh, and so Paul came to them to encourage them and say, listen, it's going to be okay. And those of, those of you in the church that have, that, that, have, that have died, they're present with the Lord. And that's all of us want to be present with the Lord, to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. And so he's encouraging them about end times and the rapture. But and I love all of those, but in Ephesians, what I love is like, here's how to live for Christ. Here's, let me just show you how to live for Christ. And that's what I love about Ephesians. And so in Ephesians 1, he says this, and there's a prayer coming. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayer. I keep asking, asking. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. That your spirit, that he's talking about your spirit, in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. That's the power that's in us. And seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion in every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Okay? So that was his prayer. So I took this this week and I personalized it. Because whatever you find in the Word of God... Whatever prayer or promise, you can personalize it. It's for you. It belongs to you. So I just wrote in our notes for you to take with you today a, a prayer for you just to pray every day and, and pray what the Holy Spirit wrote for you to pray. So look at it. If we personalize it. I keep asking that God, the God of my Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that I could know him better. That's the first part. I pray that the eyes of my heart would be enlightened in order that I may know the hope to which he's called me, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Okay? So I want us to pray this together. I just think we should pray it together. We're a church family. 
Let's just pray the Word of God together. So will you say it with me, just not after me, just with me. Let's say it together. I keep asking that the God of my Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that I may know Him better. I pray that the eyes of my heart may be enlightened in order that I may know the hope to which He has called me the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. What a great prayer. Praying for wisdom and praying that our hearts would be open, that we would be able to see things spiritually instead of just always seeing what's happening in the natural. So, And it makes me think of 1 Corinthians 2 because in, this, in 1 Corinthians 2 he's talking about this, about being able to see things. He says, however, as it's written what no eye has seen and what no ear has heard and what no human mind, listen to me, church, what no human mind has ever thought of, conceived, the things that God has prepared for those who love Him. So he's saying, you, you can't even think about what God has planned for you. And he says, these are the things God revealed to us by His Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who shows them to us. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. So when we pray this prayer for wisdom, look, we don't even, we need the Holy Spirit's help to even know what He's thinking, what God is thinking. What we've received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. So that, look at this, we may understand what God has freely given us. See, God's a Father who wants to give us things. The problem is we don't even know what to ask for. So we need the help of the Holy Spirit, our hearts to be enlightened, our hearts to be open to ask for the right things. And look, I'm sorry, but the only example that I could think that, that, that really I couldn't get away from it is an example from Chick-fil-A. So if you haven't had breakfast, I know you're, you're going to get hungry now. But, but when I think about this so that we can understand what God has freely given us, I think about... About 2004, I think it was, I went to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I met, my brother was living there, and he and I, I went there for, for business or something, and so he said, well, let's go get breakfast at Chick-fil-A. I said, okay, sounds good. So we went to a, a Chick-fil-A, and he's in front of me in line, and he ordered a chicken platter. Now, I had only ever really ordered a chicken biscuit meal there, you know, uh, but he ordered a chicken platter, and I'm looking on the menu. I said, there is, there's no such thing as a chicken platter. It's not, it's not on the menu. He said, oh, yeah, I know, but one of the guys that works here told me about it, the, the owner-operator, he, he told me about it, and, and so I always order it. And I, and I said, well, what's, what's on a chicken platter? It was a piece of chicken. It's breakfast now, a piece of chicken, scrambled eggs, and, sausage, uh, and uh, biscuit and gravy. That was the chicken platter. But it wasn't on the menu. So I ordered it, and it was amazing, and I've been ordering it ever since. I've been all over the country, and I've never, it's hardly ever on the menu. Now, it is on the menu in Tell City, I think, but it's really small, but it's on there. But I've been to so many Chick-fil-A's, and it's not on the menu. But I just go up confidently, and I say, I'll get the chicken platter. And there have been a few times where, where people look at each other like, you know, and, and they have to ask somebody, and they're like, yeah, it's just this and this and this. Well, now, to me, I don't care what, what you order is whatever you like, but to me, there's nothing compares 
to the chicken platter at Chick-fil-A. And I've ordered all over the place, but I didn't know it existed. So how can you ask for something if you don't know it exists? I had to have some help. You know, my, my brother told me about it. Now you all know about it, so <laughs> go, go order. So, so that we may understand, listen to me, church, so that we could understand what God has freely given us. We don't even know what to ask for. That's why we need the help of the Holy Spirit to tell us what to ask for. Because what if you're asking for something that's not as good as what God wants to give you? You may still just be eating that chicken biscuit. Or you could have a chicken platter. <laughs> I think I'm doing a good job selling that chicken platter. Okay. So look. We need the help of the Holy Spirit. This is the way I like to think about it. The Holy Spirit is our asking coach. He's our asking coach. Now, at Chick-fil-A, my brother was my asking coach. But in life, you need the help of the Holy Spirit. He's your asking coach. He tells you what to ask for. He reveals things on the inside of your heart so that you know what you want. Okay, so... What, what should we ask for? Number one was wisdom. Number two is power. Ask for power. Now, Paul mentions power in Ephesians 1, but in Ephesians 3, he prays another prayer for the church, and he really focuses on power. So why don't you turn over there, and let me show you Ephesians 3. Ephesians 3, he says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Now, power, it, it can also be called might. In the King James, you're going to see the word might more often. Strength, power, the might of God, is, that is the strength to do what he's called you to do. So when you ask for wisdom, he tells you what to do, and you ask for power, that's the strength to do it. You need both. You need the wisdom to do what he's called you to do, and you need the strength to do it. I need both. To, 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 be, to, to be a father, to be a husband, to, to be a pastor, to do whatever it is that I do, to do whatever it is that you do, you need his wisdom and you need his strength. You need both. And so Paul is teaching the church to ask for power to strengthen them. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. I like to think of it like energy too because we get tired and so the, you, you can have access to energy to do what God's called you to do so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people together with the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Okay? So I personalize this prayer for us. I thought we could pray for wisdom and pray for power. So I pray that out of his glorious riches he would strengthen me. Father, strengthen me. Strengthen me with power through his spirit in my inner being so that Christ may dwell in my heart through faith. And I pray that I would be rooted and established in love. I pray that I would have power 
together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and that I would know this love that surpasses knowledge, that I may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. All right? So let's pray this together. Ready? Pray it with me. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he would strengthen me with power through his spirit in my inner being, so that Christ may dwell in my heart through faith. And I pray that I would be rooted and established in love. I pray that I would have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and that I would know this love that surpasses knowledge that I may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Okay? So pray. Pray what the Holy Spirit wrote for us to pray. Last one. What should we ask for? Ask number three, for God's love to overflow from our hearts. Ask for God's love to overflow from our hearts. Now, now, here's the thing about the love of God. If you want power and strength to live, then you have to walk in His love. Because God doesn't give His power to mean Christians. He gives his power to people who are determined to walk in love because he's not going to empower people who mistreat people. He doesn't give his strength to people who are always in strife. So we have to walk in love. God's love is like a conduit for his power. His power flows through the life of a person who is committed to his love. So, so, so we, we think about each other, we pray for each other, we encourage each other. That's why small groups are so important, because in small groups we're saying, look, we're, just, we're doing life together, I'm here for you. We're going to have breakfast once a week or whatever it is, we're praying for each other, but, but I'm going to walk with you. And, and, we, and we know we're not perfect, and we overlook each other's weaknesses, and we try not to get offended over the little things that people say and they didn't realize they were hurting our feelings, you know. I mean, there's, there's just so much to walking in love. We resist the temptation to criticize. We flee gossip. You know, I mean, all of that is important because, listen, I'm, I'm, and I know it's painful sometimes to walk in love, but do you want the power of God in your life? Do what he's called you to do. Do you want the power of God in your life to, to, to live a blessed life? Then, then you, you choose to walk in love. So we pray for God's love to overflow from our hearts. So we spend time and we say, God, I thank you. You love us so much. We belong to you. We think about his affection for us and you just let, you let his love overflow from your hearts. It's a really important thing to ask for. Father, I want your love to overflow out of my heart so that the way I talk to people and treat people, they'll hear the love of God. That's what we're asking for. And it's, it's in that prayer I just wrote. I'm not going to ask you to pray it again, but I pray that out of his glorious riches he would strengthen me. So here's the power part through his spirit so that Christ may dwell in my heart through faith. And I pray, I pray that I would be rooted and established in love. If you're rooted in something, just think about a, a tree or a plant, and that means you're, you're feeding on it. 
You're feeding on the love of God. That's what gives you nourishment. I pray that I would have power together, so it's not me on my own. It's together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and that I would know this love that surpasses knowledge. God's love is beyond anything that I can personally understand. It's beyond what we can understand. It surpasses that I may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That's what we pray for. Now listen, you've got a lot of other things to pray for, and so do I. Health and finances and blessing for your kids and whatever it is else that it is that you, that you want to ask God for. But just start with wisdom and power and for his love to, to overflow. And then, church, we don't ever have to be in that category in James where he says you, you don't ask, first of all, and then sometimes you ask, you don't receive because you're, you're not even asking for what I want you to ask for. It's important. Let me close with Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 is about a church that are walking together in love. That's what they're doing. They devoted themselves Four things. The apostles' teaching, that's what we're doing right now. You're here, devoted to the apostles' teaching. To fellowship, that's spending time together. Breaking of bread, that's eating meals, but it's also communion. And to prayer. So four things they were committed to. Apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. You know, there was power there. You know why there was power? Because the church walked in unity and love. That's why the power was there. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property, possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day, every day they continued in small groups to meet together in the temple courts. Hanging out, being, being around each other, talking to each other. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And that's, that's what we want to see. It's really simple, actually. The Bible's really simple. Just, just be a church that loves each other and we study God's word together. We're committed to prayer together. We hang out together. That's why we have small groups and because we want wisdom and we want power and strength to live on this earth, right? That's what we want. Now, can I just can close with this? Maybe you're here and you know that you're not right with God today. Every time we have a church service, every Sunday, we always stop and give people an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Because there's only one way that you can have a relationship with God the Father, and that's through His Son, Jesus. Jesus died on the cross to pay for the sin that separates us from God. So the moment that you get saved, when you ask Jesus into your heart, when you confess Him as your Lord, the Bible says you are born again. You become a new person. You become a son or daughter of God at that moment. So that's why we always just stop and say, listen, is there somebody here that you know that you're not right with God? Because 
God made it really easy for you to be saved. His son did all the work. There's no work on your end. You have to believe and confess. I just wonder, have you ever heard anybody say it like that? It's easy. Getting saved is easy. God did all the work. Don't let anything hold you back from a relationship with God. Why don't you bow your heads with me for just a minute? Let me just say again that if you're here today, if you're here today and you're not sure about your relationship with God, you can be 100% sure today. You can know today that you're going to heaven. You can know that you're a son. You can know that you're his daughter. You can receive Jesus Christ as your Savior right now, right here. So we're just going to pray together just out loud. The whole church is going to pray. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. I'm not going to ask you to stand. Every person in this room, their heads are bowed, their eyes are closed. This is between you and God. But if you're here and you'd say, that's me, Pastor, I, I need to be saved today. I want to be in a relationship with God today. Would you slip your hand up for me? You can put it right back down. Just put it up. Thank you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you. Yep. Anybody else? Anybody else quickly before we pray? Because I'm not going to hold this long. So last time, slip your hand up. Put it right back down. All right, church, come on, let's pray together. Say this after me. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die for me so I could be forgiven. Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me. Save me. I believe that God raised you from the dead. And I confess that Jesus Christ is my Lord. And I ask you for strength to live for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand? Praise God. Hey.